you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, reading a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. So we continue to think about the idea of serving big, getting outside of our normal patterns, outside of our normal places, and being salt and light in the world. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Most of us watched with interest over several decades as the ministry and the life of Mother Teresa made such an impact in our world. One little sentence she stated one time really speaks loudly. It says, she said, I am a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. A little pencil in the hand of God who is sending a love letter to the world. So I share this morning, I want you to keep that thought in mind. I want you to think about what it would be like for you to be that little pencil in the hand of God sharing his love to the world. You see, serving is his vehicle. It's his vehicle of sharing love. He's he's sending us to serve because service is his vehicle of sharing love with the world. Uh, I think I shared with you last week as I started this series that uh, most years I I seek for and find a word that just uh, defines the year ahead. And I usually start doing it about this time of year, thinking and praying. And it, it usually takes weeks to really settle in on what I think the Lord would have for the next year. This year's word was discipleship. And I have applied that to my life. I've tried to apply it to my ministry with some things that, that we've done. And so I began thinking and praying a, a week or so ago, maybe two weeks ago, and Thinking, you know, hopefully by Christmas the Lord gives me a word. And I think about five minutes after I start praying, he gave me a word. The word was serve. And that's the theme of God's heart. It's to serve. Last week we talked about inside or outside. Where do we position ourselves? inside the church, outside the church, and I made a statement. I said the way to favor with God begins when his people take their eyes off of self and set them upon others. His focus is on the hungry, the homeless in Brooklyn. His his heart leans to one suffering under injustice. When we get involved in the things that break God's heart, we open the door for his love and grace into our own situation. Serving others really is the gateway to sharing the gospel. Our good deeds in the community lead to goodwill among our neighbors, which opens the door to sharing the good news. 
And I, I talked about that last week. I went to lunch with one of our families afterwards, and he looked at me and said, you gave me a lot to think about this morning. And I was a little surprised, because you know, to me, I, what I said was just kind of uh, Christianity 101. And, and uh, he just kept talking about how that had impacted him. Maybe it did you, maybe it didn't. But this idea, given from God, that his heart is to serve. Even in Jesus, he said, Jesus said, I came to give my life as a ransom for many, to give himself. And he invites us to live that way. Many churches around us are learning that service is the gateway for evangelism. It's the gateway to opening God's heart for what he wants us to do. And so we think about evangelism and service and and the idea of leveraging service as a way to share the message of Jesus, to have influence in the world around us, to be salt and light. Uh, You know those analogies, those parallels of, of salt and light and the power of what they are, those metaphors that Jesus used. And we think about them as an influence. Webster defines influence as the power to change or affect something or someone. The power to cause changes without directly forcing them to happen. It's a person or thing that affects someone or something in an important way. It's an emanation of spiritual or moral force. And that's what we are called to be. Salt and light, an emanation of spiritual force that releases the power to change and affect the world around us, whether that world is uh, the, the family we live with or the neighborhood we live in or the place where we work or the community that we find ourselves living in. We're called to be salt and light. To leverage serving as a way to share the message of Jesus. Tom Rainer is a Southern Baptist pastor uh, who works in their national ministry. Uh, last summer, it was actually in June, I, I read an article he wrote. Uh, the article was titled, Seven Things Google Tells Us About Evangelism in the United States. I wouldn't expect to find much about evangelism in the United States that Google actually championed, but what he did was he, he did a word search, and uh, they created a new way to search, and, and it's, it's called Google Trends. And so he, he just typed in the word evangelism to see what the trends were in the United States and with that word. And uh, there's a graph of what he got. He tracked it from 2004 to 2016, mid-year 2016, June. And just looking for how many times does the word evangelism show up in the, the search engine that is Google. And this chart tells us something. You see it decreasing across the years. And he took that and said that he discovered seven lessons from it. I thought it was interesting. He said, first of all, we're steadily losing interest in evangelism over time. And if you lose interest in something, you're likely to stop doing it. He said, church members are losing interest in evangelism. And he, as he talked about that, he talked about the spiritual deserts with spiritual navel gazers. That as the church loses its interest in evangelism, 
the church becomes a spiritual desert and those of us who are part of it are just spiritual navel gazers looking at each other, not concerned for what's happening around us. He added another insight of his seven and he confirmed this through other research that he has done. But he says pastors are losing interest in evangelism. That one's even more scary, more frightening. Those of us that are called to go and make disciples, which is everyone in this room, aren't, aren't interested in telling the message of Jesus with others. His fourth discovery, American churches are among the worst in evangelism. Apparently there's a way to, with Google Trends to identify where all of those different searches come from and they're grouped by country. And his finding was that uh, the highest score given, which is 100, the highest score was Ghana, which is a country in Africa. A friend of mine's there right now, actually, as we speak. The second one was Nigeria. The third one, Zimbabwe. And he noted that all of the highly ranked nations where evangelism seemed to be a concern were in Africa, scoring the highest on this scale of 0 to 100. When he got to America, he found himself far down the list and found that our index rank on a score of 0 to 100 was 11. That speaks to something about the life of the church in North America. I understand this isn't a scientific kind of thing, but it does give us insight. And he he looked at that and his, his comment was, churches not doing evangelism will decline in health. Kind of hard to argue with that, isn't it? They'll decline in health. Disobedience to the Great Commission is not the best approach to lead a church toward health and life and vitality. Hmm. He said one more thing that was interesting, and he gleaned it out of all of the, the report that he had gathered. He said, church members are much more likely to criticize than evangelize. In other words, we're more likely to criticize thinking, uh, things happening inside the church, among us, than we are to talk to someone else about Jesus. He called it the great distraction. He said, I wish we could have a rule in churches that you can't say anything critically until you have shared the gospel with someone. That'd probably be a really good rule, wouldn't it? And his comment was, it would be a great source of church unity. And then he he identified the heart of the issue when he said, the evangelism problem begins with me. And he talked about himself. And he said how often he thinks he probably shares his faith with other people in a month's time. And then he he gave a two-sentence response to what he thought. And he said, that's pathetic. That's pathetic. And he said, I can fuss at you readers all day long. But I have my own sins and inadequacies that need God's work. And he was speaking in terms of how often he was salt and light in his community. How often he was sharing his faith with others. He said, I can can just complain about what is, but until I deal with it in my own heart and in my own life. Until I determine 
that I'm going to be salt and light and take advantage of the opportunities that God gives me to do that, then I have no right to point out the problems of others. Interesting, interesting gleanings from there. So, what happens to the church? Why did Jesus feel compelled to say, uh, you're salt and light, but then he talked about uh, the worthlessness of salt when it loses its saltiness, it can only be thrown in the streets. The worthlessness, the impossibility really of, of hiding our light. And he talked about a bushel where we, we hide our light under a bushel or a bowl. What happens to a church when it loses its influence in community? What happens? Why is that? What are the ways we do that? The simplest thing would just be to say we lose our saltiness. Our distinctive flavor is missing when we become like everyone else around us. The fruit of the Spirit is quenched within us. That's evident when we lose our capacity to love, to act with mercy, to have compassion, to serve. We lose our saltiness when we, we don't take the love of Christ that is in us and share it with others around us. It just goes away. It's lost. It's missed. God has given us a capacity to reach others with his message. He has. But far too often we choose to ignore that. We choose to uh, enter in what Rainer calls spiritual navel-gazing and not be precise and effective and influential in taking who we are and letting that become known by others. We hide our light. We hide our light. Though we're a positive reflection of Jesus, our distinctiveness is hidden under a bowl confined inside the four walls of the church. And from the safety of the four walls of the church, we talk about the need for people to know Jesus. We talk about the problems of society that we experience, that we're seeing, and we don't have to look very far to see those. But are we in the community, leveraging our influence, sharing our faith, talking to others about the difference that Jesus makes. Rick Rousseau talks about this when he says, society is like a stream. If we don't like the directions it's going, we face a choice. We can either stand on the banks yelling and screaming about what is wrong with the stream, or we can roll up our pant legs and wade in. Boy, that's true, isn't it? That's true. And for us to be salt and light in our community, uh, we face the reality that uh, our society has changed. Used to be you'd put the sign up out front and open the door and there would be large incoming of people all the time. But we're talking decades ago. We still have people come in. There are people in this room today who who have come in because maybe they drove by and saw the sign or they got a piece of mail from us and they come in. That still happens. I'm not saying it doesn't. But by and large, 
the, the trend, if you want to talk about trends in our society, is that people are no longer just coming to church. And the younger you are, the more likely that is to be true in our country. And so if we're going to be salt and light, we have to really wrestle with this simple truth. That there is a large portion of our population that has no idea how to go to church. They don't know how or why, and there is an interest. One of the things you've heard me say before, and you know yourself, is salt doesn't do any good sitting in the salt shaker. You're going to go someplace after this worship experience and have a meal, whether that's your home or a friend's home or to a restaurant, another family member's home. You're going to share a meal together. Some of you are going to take a bite of whatever it is you're served and say, oh, it needs a little salt. So what are you going to do? You're going to pick up the shaker and you're going to put salt on it. It doesn't do you any good to sit at the table and pick up the shaker and then just set it by your plate. There has to be an intimate proximity, a touch, a blending together. Paul Borden, who leads a movement of churches on the West Coast, said, Jesus Christ did not create the church for Christians. He created the church to mobilize Christians to reach the lost. Whenever a church has to make a choice between what is best for me and what is best for the community, we will always choose what is best for the community. Paul speaks that out of the context of leading the churches that he's given responsibility of to be healthy and effective. And his, the churches that are part of that network that he leads are growing in unbelievable ways. Why is that? Because they've realized that to be salt and light in the communities where they're placed, they have to engage the people around them. They have to get out of their salt shaker and rub up next to the people that are around them. And they do that by finding creative and unique ways to serve the communities, where, the communities where they find themselves. You know, this idea of salt and light was something that Jesus lifted up in that Sermon on the Mount. But while that was the first time really the principle was taught, we can see all across God's history with people of how this principle was lived out even before Jesus spoke it. Uh, let me remind you of some of them. There was a young man named Joseph who was sold into slavery by his brothers and found himself in a foreign land called Egypt. And you would think he would be distraught and distressed and discouraged. He ended up being in prison there. You all know the story. Spent a long time in prison. And yet, because he chose to be God's man in a difficult situation... God lifted him up and he set him over all the land of Egypt because he chose to be salt and light. There was Moses, you know, the little baby that Pharaoh's daughter found in the basket in the reeds, the Nile River. Moses, who was raised in the, the Pharaoh, the king, the 
call him king, but that's what Pharaoh was. Raised in Pharaoh's home. Rather than choosing the ill treatment of the people of God, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, the scripture says. Moses, by faith, grew up into something that God had planned for him. Because he chose to be an influence, salt and light, in the community where he found himself. God used him to set his people free, to lead them to deliverance. He used Joseph to provide for the hungry in the midst of famine. Because Joseph chose to be salt and light and not give in to those values, even when it had a high personal cost. Esther, a humble Jewish girl, found herself uh, either, whether she wanted to be or not, we don't really know, she probably had no voice in the matter, but found herself in a beauty contest to become a part of the king's intimate family. She won. And found herself in a position to use her influence, her salt, and light to save her whole nation. It's an incredible story of how she saved the Jewish community from death and destruction at the hands of their enemies. And then it was young Daniel who was taken as a Jewish slave into Babylonian captivity, only to be raised by God as a prophet and an interpreter of dreams for the king. Men and women who chose to be salt and light. Daniel was placed by God in positions of power and influence and able to make a huge difference because he did not compromise who he was. He would not bow down to false gods. He would not give up on the things that he knew were right for him to live for God. All of these people and you and I have the opportunity to be a little pencil in the hand of a writing to allow our lives to be taken and shaped and given as servants, salt and light, to a community where Christ can be lifted up. So you got that little picture in your mind? A little pencil, you, you're the pencil. In the hand of a writing God using your life to make a difference for his kingdom for his good, for his glory. I want to read again in closing the the same scripture I read to you at the beginning, but I want to read it out of the message this time. Just gives it a little different spirit, a little different life. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If you are light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Will you let your life 
be a little pencil and the hand of a writing God. Will you be salt and light wherever God places you, wherever he puts you, to leverage whatever influence he gives you so that the message of Jesus is lifted up and people are drawn to him, find life in him, find salvation in him. That won't happen if you keep your light under a bowl, your saltiness in a shaker. You have to get out to the edges. You have to rub shoulders with those who don't know God. You have to be in places where there is injustice, where there's poverty, where there's hurting, where there's brokenness. You have to be with people who are far from God so that you can influence their life. I pray that God gives you that blessing to be a little pencil in his writing hand so that his message can be lifted up. Would you stand with me as we pray? Jesus, thank you so very much for the opportunity today to think about what it means to be salt and light. Lord, you give us all opportunities all the time to be an influence for you, to share your love, your goodness, your grace, sometimes with our actions, sometimes with our words, but always with your mercy, your compassion, your love. Help us to be committed as the people of God to serve so that in the serving people see something of who you are to us and who you are in us and they experience the joy and the beauty of knowing God through our serving, our giving of ourselves. Lord, would you open doors of opportunity for each of us, every one of us, to share your love and your grace as we serve people around us. In the name of Jesus, we pray.